Well, good morning. It is part 26 of our Reflecting the Light series. This has been such an amazing journey through the book of John. And if you think all the way back to John 1.1, where it says that Jesus is the light of the world, said that he was with God in the beginning, that he was God, that he was the word, and that he provided light to the world. He provided creation. And we called this series Reflecting the Light because we're wanting to learn from Jesus. We want to reflect who he is in our daily lives. Do you know that everywhere you go and everything that you do, when you are following Jesus, when you allow the Holy Spirit into your life to lead and guide you, that you're reflecting him in all of your relationships, or at least we hope you are, That's part of discipleship. We're leading people towards Christ by the way that we live, the things that we say, how we interact with others. And we believe that Jesus has called us to make disciples. That's what it says in Scripture. And that as disciple makers, each one of us as followers of Jesus, we need to reflect Him well. The only way this world is going to be changed is if we go out and make disciples. Not bring them to church. That's not, and bringing people to church is fine. But that's not the end all. It happens much before they ever come to church in our interactions with people on a daily basis. You never know how you might influence somebody in your daily interactions, leading them and drawing them into a relationship with Jesus. That's what this whole series has been around and been about. We want to become like Jesus, be on mission with him about reconciling man with God. That was Jesus' whole mission. That's why he came. We're, we're in the part of John chapter 13 is where we're at. And we're in the part where Jesus is about to be in the last week of his life. So all these events that we talk about over the next little bit are leading up to his death, crucif- you know, his crucifixion and resurrection. And so this is all leading to that point. And so we're seeing him teaching the disciples. We're learning a lot from him. We're seeing these interactions. And that's where we're at today. So I want you to turn over to John 13. We're going to look at the first four verses here in just a second. I entitled this first point, Power and Humility. So you're going to see what I'm talking about in just a second. Read with me John 13, 1 through 4. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. Now, our goal, our mission in life on a personal, individual basis is to become like Jesus. Now, we're not going to become God. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to reflect Him, to become like Him. He was sin-free. We have sin in our lives. Now, it's covered by the blood of Jesus. I won't get into all of the theology of that right now. We've been set free from sin, but we still are a sinful people. So, we're trying to become like Jesus who lives sin-free. Who did He love? Why did He love them? How did he interact with those that came against him? All of those things we're trying to learn to be a reflection of him. So what I find very interesting about these first four verses, I want you to focus in on verse three for just a second. We see that all power and authority have been given to Jesus. 
all power and authority, the power and authority of heaven. Remember, he was fully man and fully God. It's a hard concept for us to understand, but fully man, fully God. And he had all power and authority over heaven and earth. That's a lot of power, right? See, I, I kind of get this image, and, and I, I mentioned that this is power and humility was what I entitled it. Jesus had the power. He could snap his fingers and change everything. He could wipe his enemies out. He could wipe us out. He could create things from nothing just by speaking a word. We saw it through all the miracles that he's done that are recorded in Scripture by just speaking words and people not even close to him are healed by touching people, spitting in their... Man, healings, resurrection from the dead with Lazarus. We see all the power and authority given to Jesus. It's fully man, fully God. Power and authority that's been given to him. See, I have this image of this power, and, and, and he has this power under control. He's using it wisely. He's using it for specific purposes and things. We see all the time in, in movies, and we see it in, in real life, people that get power, it goes to their head, and they try to control everybody, and they try to make everybody bow to their will. Man, think of those great dictators over the, over the years that have tried to conquer all of the world. I think of people like Hitler. Stalin, those that, that came to great power and they misused that power. We see it even in workplaces. Man, you get somebody that gets a, a little bit of authority and if they don't know how to handle that authority, they treat people poorly or they misuse that power or they, they get themselves in trouble, embezzle money, all kinds of stuff. You can let your imagination run wild. But Jesus is that power under control, under the, the authority of God and humility that he has. And I get this image of a high-performance race car. You know, I love racing. But think about this. If you've ever driven a very high-performance car, there's a lot of power there. Maybe it's a motorcycle or whatever. If you ever had a vehicle that had high performance, a lot of power there. And when you watch a race car driver, I had an opportunity to go with my daughter a couple weeks ago to a NASCAR race. Those things are incredibly powerful. Those drivers are incredibly skilled to handle that power appropriately. They can't just give it all it's got all the time because they'll lose control and crash and destroy thousands of dollars worth of equipment, maybe even hurt themselves or others and destroy other people's equipment. That power is, there's a fine line of the control that they have to have to maneuver that. You and I get in that car, or I say, you know, we get in there, and we don't know how to handle that power, we can, man, instantly crash. I remember a few years ago, I was watching one of the uh, IndyCar races, and it was in Detroit, and they had uh, the CEO of GM was driving one of the new Corvettes, and those things are so fast, so fast, and he's, he's leading the field around in the, the, the Corvette pace car, and he comes around the corner and gives it too much power, spins out and slams this $100,000 car into the wall. On TV, pretty embarrassing, the CEO of GM just wipes this car. You can look it up on YouTube. I was watching the race, and man, it just blew everybody's mind. But that power, when it's under control and harnessed properly, can be such a beautiful thing. 
Jesus had all the power and authority, but he knew how to use it. He knew when to restrain it and how to use it properly. And that's where I get this image of high-performance vehicles or things like that, where when we use them properly, they're beautiful things, man. They can do amazing things in the right context. Most of those cars and vehicles should never be on a road because we can't ever use them properly. Some vehicles, some high-performance sports cars, you can't even get them out of third gear or you're going to blow every speed limit sign around, even on the highway. It's amazing to me with that power that's under control. When we misuse it, we damage things. See, Jesus had all the power of the universe. He could do anything. All of it was created through him. That's what John tells us. Yet he chose to take that power and put it under control for our benefit. So that we could be in relationship with him. And he's taking that and he's took these disciples, especially the 12 that were around him, that were close to him. And he demonstrated to them how this power should be used. How to have humility. To understand that that power is a tool. Not for their glory but for God's to change the lives of the people around them, to impact people, not to make them bow and serve Him, but so that they could be in relationship with Him. It's amazing. You know that God, that Jesus, when He left and ascended, promised us that power as well? The third person of the Godhead, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was promised to us in Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there's a lot we can talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been given great power. We can heal when God leads us to. When we're acting in accordance to the, the will of the Spirit, God can do amazing things through us. Jesus said you could tell a mountain to move, and it would move. We work in conjunction of that. God's given us that great power, but we need to use it in the proper control. So we see that Jesus, who had everything, restrained that power, put himself in the position of a servant. And we're going to read that in just a minute. Put himself in the position of a servant. Turn with me to verse 5. We're going to look at this, and this is the second point, is leading by example. That's what I entitled the message today, Leading by Example, because we're following Jesus, we're reflecting Him. Let's look at verses 4 through 17. Starting at verse 4, So he got up from the table, and this is Jesus, and he took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Simon Peter protested, no, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. 
for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is, the, that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe on again and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one that sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I'm sure that many of you have read this story before. You've probably heard messages on it before. Maybe it's new to some of you. Maybe you didn't know that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Maybe because of our culture, you have no idea why that's even significant or important. I want you to remember, go back to the time of the Romans. They had, you know, wagons and chariots and things like that, but most people walked. Most people wore sandals or open-toed shoes. So they're walking on these streets that maybe horses and camels have been walking on and, and they're stepping in dust and dirt and mud. So when somebody came into somebody's home, they may have bathed themselves, but what's dirty? Their feet. We can walk into somebody's home and take off our shoes and, and we're, we're good to go. But for a guest to walk in, a home that had some means would often have a servant, maybe even a slave, at the door to greet guests that would sit down and, and, and wash their feet in a basin. That was a common courtesy. If it was not a wealthy home, they always had a basin there that whoever came in could wash their own feet. It was, just a, it was a common courtesy of that time period. But some people did have servants and slaves that did that. So Jesus took on the position of a servant or a slave. He took all of that power and he restrained it and sat down and washed his disciples' feet. Why did he do this? Jesus wanted to show and lead by example to show his disciples something more that as a leader, as a follower of God, it wasn't about position and power, but it was how we use that position and power to impact other people's lives. To love them and to serve them and to lift them up, not to lord over them, to judge them, but to lift them up, encourage them, and draw them into relationship with Jesus. So what, are, what is Jesus doing with these two things? I want to look at this for a second. Washing somebody's feet was not a pleasant task. There could be all kinds of things on their feet. you got to think, walking through all this stuff over time, their feet are hard, callous, dirty. Just not a pleasant thing. I, you know, most of us bathe on a regular basis, probably daily if, you know, for most of us. And I still don't want to wash any of your feet. Really, I don't want to touch your feet. Feet are one of those things that, that, you know, kind of gross people out. So Jesus gets down there. Now, here's the, the two things I really want to pull out of this particular part of this. The first thing is, he took off his outer garment. 
So most of the Jewish leaders, they would have kind of this outer robe and then kind of an, uh, another robe underneath it. One would be kind of open, one might be one that you pull over your whole head. And they would tie it with a belt. And that was pretty common in that day. But he took off his outer garment. Now, what's the, he may have been doing that just to keep it from getting wet, but there's another side of that. There's an intimacy and a vulnerability when somebody takes that, that outer garment off. It's a sign of comfort. It's a sign of, hey, I'm exposing myself to you, not in an inappropriate way, but I'm becoming vulnerable. I'm close to you. Jesus was showing them as a student, as a rabbi, as, as a rabbi to student relationship, this was not customary. There was always this level of respect, but Jesus was taking that off and he ties the towel around his waist. He said, we have a level of intimacy that a lot of people don't have. Remember, they went with him for three years. Jesus loved his disciples. That was one of the first things that said in this passage, that he loved them, and he loved them to the very end. Showing that vulnerability. The second thing is he was showing them the way to love and care for each other by serving, by becoming a servant, by humbling himself. The man that could heal at the speaking of a word, the lady that was, that was healed just by touching his garment, the power that was flowing through him was unbelievable. The power to create. And yet he becomes very vulnerable and humble and sits down and washes his disciples' feet to set an example, to show them that this is how we're to treat each other. This is how we're to treat those that are around us with this love and honor and respect. That's not out of, people use the term meek, and, and meekness is power under authority and restraint, but it also can be used negatively like to mean that, that somebody is weak. Jesus was not weak. He could wipe anybody out with the speaking of a word, the snapping of a finger. We, maybe you watched... Uh, Maybe you watched the Marvel Universe and you had Thanos and he finally got the glove with all the stones and he snapped his finger and wiped out half of humanity. Now it's science fiction, it's out of comic books, but man, there's an element of the authority and the power that God has, that Jesus has. It was under restraint. He became vulnerable. See, I, I think vulnerability is how we show love. We don't truly show love unless we become vulnerable. Now, based on the level of relationship we have with certain people, we, we share more and more of ourselves with our spouse. We share everything. Our weaknesses all the chinks in our armor to truly have that intimate kind of love, we become vulnerable. That's why when somebody that's close to us hurts us, it's all the deeper because of the level of vulnerability that's there, the level of trust. Jesus 
showed that. He demonstrated it. He had all the authority in the world, and yet he chose to make himself vulnerable so that he could show us how to love one another. Jesus told the disciples that they should do as he has done and wash each other's feet. In other words, serve one another. Now look down at verse 16. It says, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor are messengers more important than the one that sends the message. Now you can look at that and say, well, yeah, you know, uh, why should we lift a slave up like this? They're, they're not going to be greater than their master. But here's the thing. The disciples are not greater than Jesus. But what did he do? He humbled himself and served them. Now, why should they expect to do anything less? If their master humbled himself and served and, and washed their feet, why should they think that they should lord over anybody? No, they should be even more humble than Jesus was. You and I, humility. breaks my heart when pastors come in and they, they treat people as if they're the ultimate authority over everything, that you should bow to me, you should have respect for me because I'm the man or woman of God. I didn't see Jesus acting that way. Now, there is spiritual authority. There is respect. I mean, look at the words of Paul when he spoke. He spoke with authority under the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's authority for correction, but he didn't lord over anyone. It was always done for correction to put things in the right place. The only people that God ever gave us the authority to judge was other Christians in the right context and with the right heart and spirit. Not to tear them down, but to help restore them and lift them up. So the only time we should judge and, and correct is to, to correct something that was happening that was wrong so that they could be lifted up. That's what Jesus did with the Pharisees. The Pharisees resisted it, but he wanted to correct them. He didn't want them to be separate from God. He wanted those that knew the law the best to love the most so that they could be that example. Throughout Scripture, throughout Jesus' words, He said, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. He talked about if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, you need to learn to serve others. He's demonstrating those words by washing the disciples' feet. So important that we understand that image Somehow we've gotten that all mixed up and we put these pastors up on these pedestals. They have guards around them and you can't interact with them and, and they, they've gotten too big for themselves. Breaks my heart. Had a conversation with a gentleman in our church recently who came from another country who said, look, man, I've never had this interaction with a pastor before because of where I come from, pastors, they were... On this other level, you didn't have interaction with them. Broke my heart. I didn't see Jesus doing that. Now, there were times when they guarded for him when people were becoming overwhelming because he needed a break. And not because he lifted himself up and didn't want to serve or love anyone. Jesus set the tone by showing his disciples how much he loved them by serving them. One last thing I want to point out today. 
Jesus loved his betrayer. He loved the betrayer. It was one thing to wash all the disciples' feet. And it said even at the beginning of this passage and even in a little bit in the last little section we're going to read here, that Jesus served Judas, the one that would betray him. He washed his feet. Jesus knew what was about to happen. It doesn't say specifically that he washed Jesus' feet. It didn't point it out, but he was there. Remember at the beginning of the passage it said that, you know, Judas was there, the one that would betray him. Now look at verses 18 through 30, and this is going to wrap up today. It says, verse 18, I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this fulfills the scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was deeply troubled. And he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. This is after he's washed their feet. Immediately after. The disciples looked at each other wondering whom could he mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to him at the table. And, and Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who is he talking about? So the disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? And Jesus responded, the one whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. And then Judas had eaten the bread. Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling them to go pay for the food and get, or give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. Jesus showed great humility. He had great power, and he showed that humility through washing Judas's feet, the one that would betray him. He already knew that what was going to happen. But he also knew what needed to happen for our benefit. He knew what was right. Remember just a few verses before that, he had said, man, I want this cup to leave me. I want to pray for it to leave me. I don't want to go through this. But for all of our sake, he was willing to do what needed to be done. The plan to follow through. He had all the power in the world to do whatever he wanted. Quite honestly, God could have just let us die in our own sin and just wiped us out and started over somewhere else. But he's chosen to build relationship with us to show us through what Jesus did on the cross. That he loves us. He chose to come as a servant. So that we could become like him. Now, I want you to notice something. Two things. One, as believers, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we share and hold the key to eternity. And, and there are people that oppose us, people that hate us, people that, that, that come against us. And, and God wants us to serve and love them, not yell at them and tell them how horrible they are. Because it doesn't accomplish anything. We hear stories of missionaries that families that have gone on the mission field and, and the husband or wife or child has been killed by those that come against them and then those families keep coming back and serving. 
because of the love of Jesus. Because this life isn't all that there is. It's a whisper. It's a breath. We talked about that last week. It isn't all that there is. See, now there's something that in verse 17 that, that kind of ties all this together. Did you notice there's a promise for those that follow Jesus' example? Look at verse 17. Now that you know these things, he's saying, now that I've showed you this example, I've told you to love one another, serve each other, wash each other's feet, God will bless you for doing them. That's a promise. God's blessings on our lives, eternity. We're storing up treasures in heaven. He will bless us for serving and loving even those that don't love us. Even those that hate us or think they hate us or oppose us. The word's very clear that the world will hate us because of Him. Because we don't just go along with all of their sinfulness and say, oh, that's how great it is. We can love them and hate the sin that's in them and, and not tell them, you know, not demean them, but love them and care for them. And treat them with respect so that they have an opportunity to know the Father. To know Him. When we love and lead like Jesus, we reflect Him. And He opens up the blessings upon our lives and pours them out and gives us favor. Gives us favor with the people around us. God has given us great favor in this church. We're not a big church. but We have great favor in this community. God allows us to be a part of what He's doing here in Kennesaw. That's favor. So I want to challenge you this week. To lead and love like Jesus, to serve one another, serve the people in this body, to lift each other up, to encourage and strengthen and help each other out, but then to take that wherever you go and to love those that are around you. Make sure that the post that you put on social media, whatever social media platform that it is, that that's lifting people up, not tearing them down. that we're encouraging, that we're praying for each other, even those people that we oppose. We think that these are separate worlds. They're not. Every area of our lives, whether it's on the internet, whether it's in person, whether it's at home, we need to reflect Jesus and love one another. That happens by us being in right relationship with Him, being in prayer with Him. If God has filled us with His Spirit, if we're in right relationship with Him and we're pouring that into our lives, what comes out of us will reflect Jesus. I'm going to tell you, if you're not pouring Him into your life, if you're not becoming doers of His Word, what comes out of you is going to reflect the world. That's not what we want. We want to be a reflection of Him. Not that we're perfect. Not that we're going to do everything right. But every day we need to fill ourselves with the power of God, with His Word, with His Spirit. And then use it with humility to love the people that are around us. That's my prayer for you today. And I want to pray over you right now. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in and through us today. And I pray right now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, if we're not in right relationship with you, Lord, I ask for forgiveness of our sins. I ask that you would bring us into right relationship with you. If there's anybody that's that's watching today that need that, I pray that they would yield their life to you. 
For those of us that are followers of you, Lord, fill us with your spirit and help us to live like you more and more every day, to have that power and humility to follow your example and to lead others in that same way. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, guide and direct us today. Help us to be peacemakers in this community. To use the power that you've given us wisely under proper control. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to serve this community. Go before us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Man, if you need prayer, if you have questions, just click down there and, and click that prayer button. and It'll open up a private box that we can have a conversation with you. We love you and we thank you and we'll see you again next time.